Now, what comes to your mind when you see basically this word, role model, role model? Well, what is a role model? A role model is a person that we desire to follow or basically imitate. It's common. As, you know, this weekend, five babies are dedicated. Well, the parents are the role models. That child doesn't know how to do life, and that parents, it's just a privilege and a responsibility for them. But it's not only parents that are role models. We have friends that are role models, somebody at work, maybe a teacher, uh, all kinds of things. Now that's the football season, you have a role model on there, good luck for you, and uh, we'll see all of that. But most of us need a role model in life, because when we were put on this earth, we need somebody to show us really how to do life and somebody we can learn from them. That's why you're here at the service. That's why you're watching online from Sebastian and Vieira. You're watching, and we're learning together from God's Word. Let me give you a little background about kind of why we need people to help us. After five years of college uh, at Wayne State University in Detroit, I got my pharmacy degree, but I had to do an internship. And uh, I'd been doing basically uh, lots of schooling, of course, five years of that stuff, and then I had to have an internship so I could finally take my state boards, which I had to do in Michigan. And then when we moved to Florida, I had to take them again, different boards. But anyway, after I was there, that internship required me to go to a pharmacy. Now, most of my life was always in hospitals, but this one would be a, a retail. That was their option for me to go, retail store, which I'd never really done much. So I went into a pharmacy, Fortson Pharmacy, in, in, in Michigan, in one of the suburbs there. And uh, when I was in there, I, I talked to the owner, and I said, this is my first time here for you. And he says, I know, we hired you to have that internship. And so I, I, I learned that next door was a Dr. Wakera, and he was an, a skin specialist, all kinds of stuff. And so here I am, and the first person that comes in, the, the owner is at the back, and his wife's also a pharmacist at the back, and I'm here, and they walk in and hand me this prescription. And I'm looking for, you know, a tablet, capsule, whatever, to get them off the shelf, whatever. Here's a prescription, and it's for an ointment with like five to ten ingredients. I went five years and never made an ointment in my life. And I'm going, uh, I need a role model here because I don't know what to do with it. So I called him. I said, I'm sorry, but I, I need your help. I'm on an internship, but I've never made an ointment in my life. I'm thinking, oh, my help. So he comes over. He says, no problem. I'll show you how to do it. So he comes in, shows me all the stuff, and he says, now here's the five ingredients, and here's chemical here and one over here. No, you can't mix that with water. It will not be soluble, and the ointment will be ruined. You have to do that with acetone. You have to... I knew none of that stuff, but I needed what? A role model. Somebody not just to tell me, but what? To show me. See, a role model is much better for them to tell you and show you. Because if they tell you, you ever put some of these things together on Christmas time with the kids? They show you, but there's nobody there to tell you. You just screw it all up. So he came by, and I was so privileged because I learned from him. And the next time there was another ointment come in, no problem. Because I learned how to do that. 
basically to me, that role model said, here is how to do it. So I grew and grew and grew. I didn't have to ask much anymore because I could see how to do this. I learned to grow together. Well, on the overhead is a picture of us growing physically. Now, you can see when we just dedicated children this morning, what do you have? They start here and then boom and then boom and then boom and then boom. And that's a natural thing. Healthy people grow. Healthy people grow. Now, I'm not talking your weight. Relax. Healthy people grow. But it's not just physical we're talking about this morning. It's going to be spiritual growth. Take a look at this. This is what we're going to be talking about. The Bible is filled with teaching about growing spiritually. So we're going to talk about role models growing spiritually. Now, look at this verse, 2 Peter 3.18. You guys at our campuses, you're watching online. But what's the second word? Grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's grow. Now, what? look at the next one. 1 Peter 2.21. For God called you to do good. He's talking to all Christians. Even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, here we go. He is your example. He is your role model. And you must follow in his steps. So see, when you see that, obeying God's word, this is basically the title of my teaching, obeying God's word grows us to be more like Jesus. We have a role model. His name is Jesus. And of course, he tells us how to do what he's asking us to do. Now, Luke wrote the book of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts, which we'll get back to next week. Now, here's an interesting verse he wrote. Look on the overhead. Luke 2, 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, why would Luke write this one verse about Jesus' growth? Of course, he was fully God, but he was fully man. He would have to go through the physical kind of growing, but he was also going through the spiritual growth. Now, Luke knew that Jesus, after he followed him, that's my role model. He knew it. So he was just talking about this. And notice the second part. He grew in favor with God and men. So what does that mean? Well, Luke saw that Jesus took all the Old Testament commands, and he took them and he squeezed them into two. Just two. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. So notice what he does. He had favor with God and people. That's exactly what he did. And Luke said, okay, I remember that Jesus taught us, he was a disciple, that to love God first and also love our neighbors at ourselves. So there was the role model. Now, Jesus didn't just say it. Like my ointment, he practiced it. And the disciples watched him do it. Not just words, 
but the practicing of it. So Jesus is our role model of spiritual growth. That's who we look to. Now, look at what Colossians says. Chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must, what's the next word? Continue is a key word all through today. You must continue to follow him. Then it says this. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Now, see, if you have a, a, a little tree you're going to plant in your yard, you want to make sure the roots go down into some good things. Maybe you have to put fertilizer down first. You have to do whatever. Because that tree, if it doesn't get a little treatment, treatment there uh, underneath uh, where the roots are, that tree will not be healthy. That tree will not grow. Well, this is exactly what Paul's saying in Colossians. He says, let your spiritual roots grow down into him and let your lives, that is your foundation, Jesus Christ. Then you will, your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. In other words, he says, notice, continue to follow him. Make sure you have a grounding relationship. You started to follow him. Make sure you continue that because healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. Now, as you follow Jesus through the New Testament, you see Jesus did grow. And he handled the challenges of life and how to interact with all kinds of people. It was amazing. And the Bible says, if we're Christ followers... We should live our lives as our role model, who is Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you something that will be strange for you, but it's good for you. I'm going to give you some things that Jesus said. And then I'm going to take that and I'm going to say, well, a growing disciple would say this to mimic exactly what Jesus said. So you're going to have a little evaluation time. Now, I'm not bringing you up. I'm just going to ask you to think in your own mind. How are you doing growing in your walk with God? Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, I don't like that kind of stuff. Can I leave now? No, we lock the doors. Now, let's go and talk. What am I trying to say? Basically, an unexamined life is not worth living. You have to examine ourselves. And that's what the scripture does. We open it. As we talked about last week, God does surgery on us. He, we open it. We have to evaluate. So as I give these, I'll give about five or six, you can just say to yourself, okay, I'm a five, baby. I'm really good in that one. The bad one would be a one. I'm not asking you to tell me what it is. Now, I already wrote this test. We said, Pastor Mark, how many fives you had? None of your business. All right, now, here we go. Here's Jesus speaking. John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God that sent me, not to do my own will. Here's the way I put it. Take a look. You can get these notes later or you can write them down. It's up to you. A growing disciple says, God I will do your will. What do you want me 
to do. Now that's Jesus, and that's you. The same exact principle. I'm doing the will of God. What do you want me to do? I learned when the coronavirus came, that's a statement that's just written in my heart, and it's at home. God, what do you want me to do? I want to do his will, not my will. So do you, but sometimes we want to kind of do our own. So how are you doing? You have to understand something, and it's not, it has nothing to do with me. I had this sermon done, and last week's done, and twice, and he's done this many times now to me. God wakes me up like on a Thursday at 4 a.m. And like my sermon was pretty much done for this weekend because God had already given me that, and I took a break from Acts, and I just wrote it. And when I got up that morning, the first thing he had me write down is the word role model. I didn't have anything there. So I said, God, I got my sermon done. See ya. No, I did not. God, what do you want me to do? I changed the, much of the sermon. Why? Because I want his will. And when I got done, it was way better than what I had. I used a lot of what I had. But I needed to do that. And he's done that many times to me. Be careful. You know how we do elders in the leadership in this church? When we get together, we don't vote three to one and all that kind of crud. Here's what we pray at the beginning of every meeting. God, what do you want us to do? That's what you need to pray. What do you want me to do? So what you're hearing this morning is what God told me to do. So don't complain about my sermon, because it's God's mostly, okay? You'll be in trouble. Now, when I do that, you have to understand, I, at, at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m., I have to get up and write it down. And this one, I wrote four pages, adding to my sermon. And my wife got up that morning and said, what are you doing up at 4 a.m.? I said, well, what do you think? She knows now. I'm writing it out. Now, some of you are young enough that you, anything you come to your mind at 4 a.m., you can remember it. Sorry. You know what? You know why I did that? Because I used to try to do that. I went, man, that was so great. I missed it. So I write it down. By the way, notes is better than your mind. At 4 a.m., it's way better than your mind. Okay? So what you're hearing today is what Jesus basically said. I've learned that from him. I will do your will. What do you want me to do? All right, now, Matthew 28, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, Jesus speaking, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So here's what I would say. This is what I would respond to God. A growing disciple says, God, I will focus on serving you and other people. Now, serving. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve God, his will, and I serve people. And you see him doing that everywhere. Thank you for so many of you of serving. Serving, serving, serving. How about all the bands we put together through this thing? What a blessing. They're serving you. How about the parking people? 
They're serving you. How about the kids' ministry? They're serving you. How about the guest services people here? There, there's one hand. That's good. The rest of you, how did you find your seat? Yeah, exactly. How about the maintenance people that spray the whole place down after every service? What are they doing? They're serving God and they're serving you and I. It's a beautiful picture. Same, like I said, special needs, the whole thing. But let me give you a little warning. If you're not serving in any kind of capacity at some point in your life that God has gifted you to serve, you're going to have a very difficult time of growing to be like Jesus. See, if I'm serving, I'm growing to be like Jesus. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, I don't have the time to do that. Hey, when God says to do something, he'll give you the time. I'm just challenging you. Be careful. I've, done, I've been doing this my whole life. You know that. I'm like 71 years a Christian. And I watch my dad. I watch ministry. The more you serve without going crazy, and you're doing it for the right motive, the more you grow like Jesus Christ. That's what he said. I didn't come to be served. I'm coming to serve others. So thank you, all of you that serve. Maybe, we are a little short on guest service people, so if you'd like to maybe come, they'll train you. It's just another way. One of these days, we won't need all that kind of stuff, but it's a blessing. Now, here's a bigger one. Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Remember, that morning, Jesus, the day before, had healed so many people, and Jesus got up early in the morning, and Peter got up, had his coffee, couldn't find Jesus. So he goes way out in the wilderness, and Jesus had been praying to his father. What should I do next? Basically the principle. And Peter goes out there and says, what are you doing out here? We got people lined up out the door. They need to be healed right now. You know what Jesus said to him? No, the father told me we're going to the next town because those people have never heard the gospel. Well, here's what I say to it. A growing disciple says, God, I will pray to you often and ask for your wisdom. Ask for your wisdom. When I mention the word prayer, can I remind you of something we're doing right now? It's called prayer culture. It's online. The next five days, one, two, three, four, five, six o'clock in the morning. When you turn it on, you can watch it later as well. You'll hear a little music from the front, just a little five or six minute sermon. And then we have prayer wall. And it's all the needs of people. And you can just start clicking. And you, you won't have the last name. You won't have all the details. But there's thousands of prayers coming up every day that need to be prayed for. So I just encourage you to go. Start tomorrow. Just go to Calvary or, fi- or uh, Facebook, either one. And just get into it. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes people. And how would you like if you had a really big need? And by the way, some of the needs on there, oh, hurting people in so many ways. Aren't you glad we have a supernatural God? Wow, impossible. But you can pray for him. But let me tell you, let's say you have a need and you put it on there. How would you feel? Because when you go back, if you put a prayer on there, you can click and it'll tell you how many people have already prayed for you. How about if you do that and you find that 86 people have already prayed for you that morning? Would that encourage you? Exactly. Well, the only way that works is people pray, and they say, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. 
So let me just encourage you. That's what Jesus did. He found the will of God, and he says, we're going to the next town. Now, Matthew 4. Jesus was water baptized, and then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the next thing is, the Spirit led him to the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And we learn that when Jesus was there, every time that Satan brought up something, he tempted Jesus with. Very tempting things, actually. Jesus said this, Satan, it is written, the book, it is written, and God's word says, no. And every time he was tempted, he said, no. And Satan left totally defeated. Now, what's a growing disciple do? A growing disciple knows the power of God's word and obeys God's word. That's our role model, Jesus. Jesus. We're all in spiritual warfare, but we have the power through the Holy Spirit to say no to Satan. Now, John 8, 29 is my last one. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. I always do what pleases him. I can already confess to you, I'm not even anywhere above one on that one. How about you? Every one of you that say, no problem, I'm a fiver. Everything I do, I please God. There'll be an additional altar call at the end. Because we have to be honest. Remember, nothing is hidden from God. So that's a hard one to work on, isn't it? Because who do we want to please? Ourself. Jesus said, I only do, only do what pleases him. Now, spiritual growth is this process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Will we ever reach our role model? No. When Paul died, just before he died, he said, I, I have not arrived. And I used to read that when I was younger. I said, if Paul, all he did, he never arrived, what the heck am I going to do? But see, you and I will never reach Jesus because he never sinned. But we can just continue growing on. And really, the Bible, Paul says, you and I are supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to be basically conforming to what I just read to you as a sample. Well, Romans 8.29 says it like this. God knew his people in advance, all of us. And he chose them to become like his son. That becoming is lifetime. It doesn't happen overnight. It's continuing to grow to be like him. Now, there's three ways usually that we talk about how can I be like Jesus? What, what's that look like? Here they are. Number one, God wants us to think like Jesus. Remember, the battle's in the mind. Satan wants to force us to think his way. God says, no, I'll renew your mind with the Scripture. I want to think like God to have the mind of Christ. Number two, God wants us to be like Jesus. Character, character, patient, loving, obedient, forgiving. That's who Jesus was. Number three, God wants us to minister like Jesus. You know, the Bible says everywhere he went, 
He touched lives. He encouraged. He was a friend of sinners. He did whatever. He just touched people's lives. And he, he ministered. And, of course, his final ministry was going to the cross. But we are to do the same thing. Now, Jesus had taught his disciples. And one day, he, he gave them his mission. And he was in a town. And there was a little guy named Zacchaeus. And he was a, a tax collector. And he had cheated all the people. And Jesus finally said, I want to have dinner with you. So he came up to his house. He went in. And he shared the gospel with them that he was wrong. He could be forgiven of his sins. And he wasn't a believer. He didn't really understand that. But he left change, and he said to Jesus, I'm a changed man. I understand who you are, and I will give all that money back and more to the people I cheated. And at the end of that amazing interaction, here's what Jesus said, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. That's the mission of the church. That's my mission. That's your mission, to come and find the lost. So then the disciples heard that, but they went, like my ointment, how do we do that? What does it look like? How do I seek and save the lost? Well, let me give you a couple hows. Mark 16, 15. He said to them, Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Preach it to everyone. Well, that's a, a responsibility to all of us. doesn't mean we have to go to all the world, but it certainly means we, we go to our neighbor, we share the gospel, all those kind of things. Why? Because that's the mission we're on. That's the mission of the church. God doesn't want anybody to be lost. And all these people that have come to Christ, all these people that have come to Christ, I think it was uh, 30 36 or 38 people came to Christ last weekend again. And how does that happen? Well, we, we preach the gospel. We preach the gospel, but you guys invite people. And you ask them to watch it or come to the church service. That's what happens, and that's exactly what God does. He honors that. Now, when you see that happening, here he goes on, and that was the first one. Here's command number one. When a person to Jesus... In other words, so they can become a convert, a convert. The term I use often, convert, I call a baby Christ follower, a baby Christ follower. But becoming a baby Christ follower, convert, is just the first step in Jesus' goal. It's the first step. They're a baby. Now, you could be... 78 this weekend watching, and you're not a believer, and you come to Christ. At 78, you know what you are? A baby Christian. The best of my God, I don't like that. Can we fast forward it? Uh, sorry, no. You're a baby Christian. By the way, how many of you started as a baby Christian? Okay, the rest of you aren't believers, I guess. <laughs> Did anybody here start as a full-fledged, absolutely spirit-filled disciple of Jesus Christ? None! None! It's the start. Don't ever be ashamed of that. Before you move to discipleship, you're a baby 
in Jesus Christ. You're saved, but you're a baby. That's where everybody starts. And this is what Jesus is going to say. That's the first step. But there's more. By the way, when you see this, these people, more than 700 people, are new believers. What are we going to do with those new believers? Well, we need to help them. We have something called starting point. It will happen on the 22nd of September here at Melbourne. And, and that's a way to start to grow you. It's, it's a course. It'll be online and it'll also be in person. Pastor Dave's working on one where it's one-on-one. Let me give you an example. Okay. You're a parent. You're a brand new parent. And you have a baby that's two years old. And the baby's in the other room and there's nobody there. And just the baby. And you say to your wife, I want to take a little walk. Come on, let's just take a walk. We'll lock the door. Baby will be fine here. And we'll just walk around the block. Take us a half hour, 45 minutes. No problem. That baby's going to be fine. Basically, maybe even less than two years old. How many of you would do that? Any? Your first baby? Would you leave the baby and lock the door and be gone for a half hour to 45 minutes when there's nobody to help the baby? Would you? No. Do we ever see that? How many young children die in a hot car? Do you hear what I just said to you? Now, you didn't mean for it. So we have 700 babies following Jesus. They can't fend for themselves. We cannot leave them alone. We have to be involved in their lives some way. Whether it's one-on-one or the book that I give at the end, the Bible, that shows them how. Come to a course. Do you get it? And that moves to the next word, disciple. You can't leave a baby by itself. The baby won't grow. The baby will eventually die. By the way, who's wanting the baby to fail as a Christian? You got it. He'll do anything he can. Maybe next week I'll even give you that example out of Mark chapter 4. So we have a great responsibility. Now, so he gives the second command. Look at it. Go and make disciples. Now, what is a disciple? Well, here it is. A lifelong learner. We never stop learning. Under discipline, a growing, maturing Christ follower. Here's what Jesus says. Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. By the way, we'll have a baptism coming up soon. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you for the, to always to the very end of the age. So every Christ follower is to become, next phase, a growing disciple And then to turn around and make disciples yourself. Get involved with a new believer. As somebody discipled you. You see, go back to my illustration. Once I learned to make the ointments, I can turn around to a new intern that walks in. 
and says, I never saw one of these things before. I says, come on, sit down. I'll show you. Been there. I can show you personally. The best way to disciple a new Christian is a maturing, growing Christian, sharing with them in humility and encouraging their life. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, when you see that happening, Ephesians 4 tells us how it works. Let me read it to you. And it was him who gave some to be apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some to be pastor teachers. So in the church, evangelical churches, the church of Jesus Christ, he gave gifted people, even ministry gifts. The ones that we're mostly involved with today are pastor teachers. That, that's basically who I am. It's a gift from God. And verse 12 says, why, why did he put these people here? Why am I here? To, to prepare God's people for works of service. There's the word again, serving people, so that the body of Christ may be built up, grow spiritually. Verse 13, until, until we all reach unity of faith in the knowledge in the Son of God and become mature. Attaining the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. In other words, being like Jesus. Notice this statement. The core of discipleship is to continue, remember I told you that word, to continue to grow and become like Jesus. And thus, every new convert must be taught to know the word and obey the word. Now, if we skip what we just read, that there's nobody teaching you, there's nobody encouraging you, and, or you're, you're not listening to any of that, or you decide, I don't really need to go to church. I can just kind of live my life. I'm saved. I got fire insurance. I don't need it. You're going to be in trouble. Look at verse 14. If we do go to church and we teach people to love the word and know it and obey it, here's what. Then we will no longer be what? Infants, because we move past that stage. Tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. See, growing spiritually, being under the sound of the word, knowing the word, obeying the word, none of us perfect, but we're growing. We're moving toward it. Look at here. We avoid being immature. We avoid, avoid being unstable. Whoop, 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 whoop. And last, easily deceived. Now, who's the deceiver? Satan's the deceiver. Think of all the false, quote, teachings, Bibles, religions. That's all from Satan. He's a great deceiver. So, yes, Satan's goal is to stop every Christ follower from moving from baby to disciple, and then continuing to grow. See, when you land a disciple, you haven't arrived. Jesus didn't say to his disciples, oh, you got it all together now. You've been with me three years. Remember one day he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. We have to keep growing. We have to continue to grow. So I don't have to worry about it. Look at this. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Growing and following Jesus is not about our ability it's about God's ability. Do you realize I couldn't do what I'm doing in my ability? Before I come, the days before I come, when I sit in a chair over here, 
I ask the Holy Spirit to give me the anointing. I need his power. I need his wisdom. I can't do this on myself. Everything I've just challenged you to do, be a growing disciple, disciple others, witness, bio, share. You can't do that on your own. You need God to open doors. You need God to give you wisdom. So notice, it's not our ability, it's God's ability. Now, 1 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter says this. Everybody look at me just for a moment. Everybody look at me. Now, I want you to look at this verse. I want you to look at this verse. Let me say the word before I read it. No excuses! What did I just say? Well, you didn't say it like I did. Come on, come on, come on, come on. No excuses. You got it now? Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, no, just let's go. Here we go. Second Peter 1.3. At home, hope you shout the roof right off. Second Peter 1.3. By his divine power, God has given us... Uh, that didn't match what we just said. How much did God give us? Everything we need to for living a godly life. No excuses. But we like to make excuses. Pastor Mark, I don't have that gift. I couldn't do that. Shut up. I just gave you the word. That's not my word. We have, God gives us everything we need to do to fulfill his will in our life. Everything. That just says excuse. No excuses. No excuses. Praise the Lord. Now, what is Peter saying? He's assuring people that we have everything we need to be a growing disciple in Jesus Christ. Now, Paul tells us that growth process depends on one thing, really. It's the study and the application of the word. Now, look at what I have for you. You see it on the screen. Second Timothy, you guys at home, Sebastian Vieira, you guys in the balcony. All scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and what is to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do, what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So that's why you come. See, now people that will, and it started before the virus, people that used to come on a pretty regular basis, they had a devotional time on a pretty ready, ready basis, they just kind of got away from it. And they're away from the word. And sometimes people, you guys are doing better or doing much better. But lots of people would say, well, I'm going to go to church basically once a month and hear the word. I don't really need it any more than that. Sorry. That's wrong. You need to be fed. And the better way to be fed, of course, is private. But then you need somebody that can feed you from the word of God who has some experience. Because Satan's a great deceiver. And that's why I love you to be here. I'm not pounding on how many people are here. I'm just saying to you, don't. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I really don't have time. Then something's wrong with your planning. We're to put who first? Me? No. His will. God's will. And he'll provide whatever you need. Now, when you see this happening, 
Jesus made a statement that's pretty shocking, actually. Take a look at this, John 8, 31. And Jesus said to the people, these were Jewish people who had just said, oh, we believe you. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples. What's the next word? If. How can you be a disciple if? Well, he explains it. If you remain faithful to my teachings. Remember what the Bible says? Don't stop gathering together to be taught the word of God. Well, what is Jesus doing? He's challenging those who say, I believe in you. He, Jesus says this, if you claim you are one of my disciples, if that's what you claim, then your life must prove it. You must remain faithful to know and obey my teachings. See, he goes right to the heart. You can call yourself what you want. But many of you say you believe in me, but you don't really follow me. He says you get it right. Remember what Jesus said way back earlier? If you love me, obey my commandments. And he's saying to these people, you're not obeying my word. You're not obeying my role model, my life. You need to get right. Now, what does he mean by this? What is a growing disciple? They remain faithful to the Bible, the reading, the knowing, the obeying, and applying God's truth to their life. That's how we do it. You can't do it just sitting there going, hmm. No, you have to get in the word. The word is powerful. It changes us. I went back as I was thinking at this, and God just gave it to me maybe a day or so, okay? Remember Peter and John had just healed a man way back early in Acts chapter 4. And this man could walk. He had never walked. And the Jewish people, the leaders, came up and said, get out of here. We're not interested in you. We don't believe in Jesus. And so then they came, and what happened was Peter preached to them. He was bold. He said this, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven by given to men where you must be saved. He just put it right out there. He says, I don't care what you think. You, you try to keep the law all you want. You'll never be saved. Jesus came. You won't find salvation and forgiveness in anybody else but Jesus. And after they heard that, these Jewish scholars, here's what they said. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that these men were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They saw behind the average, the ordinary, the unschooled. They were astonished at what they had just heard. These were ordinary laymen, people like you and me. They have been discipled by Jesus for three years. They watched his role the model. They learned from Jesus. And the time they spent with Jesus, they had his mark, not on a t-shirt, but on their character. It was very evident that Jewish people who hated Jesus, looking at these two guys, and it showed they were disciples of Jesus. Can I ask you a question? When people listen and watch us, do they see Jesus or do they see me? 
That's a growing disciple. Because we're like Jesus. What they saw that day was this. They had the character of Jesus. They were bold like Jesus because they were filled with the Spirit. They knew the Scriptures like Jesus. He just quoted it. And they shared the gospel just like Jesus. That's the life that I want. Oh, I'm not there. But I'm still growing to be like Jesus. And I know you want to continue to grow to be like Jesus. Don't forget what you were taught today. This is not Mark Balmer's teaching. This is God's teaching. Right out of the word of God. Baby, infant, growing disciple. Growing disciple. Lifelong journey of becoming like Jesus. Now, I want you to do one thing for me. Everybody, everybody looking at me. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. Bow your head. Whether it's here in Melbourne, Vera, Sebastian, online, balcony, it doesn't matter where you're at. I want you to just pray this, just private in your, just, because I'm going to give an altar call. I want you to pray for people who are going to be saying yes or wait to an offer to become a Christian, to start as a baby believer. Now, I know there's many people out there. That's exactly what you want. You know, Jesus did something very important early in his ministry. He said one simple little phrase, come follow me. Come follow me. For those of you that are not a Christian yet, that's personal, me. Your role model, your savior is Jesus. Not man's works, your ability. You'll never be good enough to go to heaven. Those were common words from Jesus 2,000 years ago. They're still common words right now, today. And I want to interrupt your prayer for just one second. I want everybody to look at this screen. Many years ago, Brett made me this slide. Follow me. And I will change your life forever. Now, some of you aren't a Christian, but you want to change your life. When you do what you just see there, Jesus is saying the same thing you did 2,000 years ago to his disciples. Follow me, and I'll change your life forever. Your sins will be gone. You'll have the guarantee of heaven. And yes, you're going to be a baby, but we're going to help you. Grow to be more like Jesus. Now, some of you used to follow Jesus, but you found your own path and you got away. You know what you need to do? I'm going to pray for you as well. If you've never accepted Christ, today's the day. If you used to follow Christ, but you backslid, you know what you need to do? Make a recommitment. He's waiting for you. He won't run by you. He wants you to just step in line. And for all of us, remember, as we're following Jesus, we're to be growing like the one we're following. You have everything in you. I have everything in me to follow Jesus. What, when he said, follow me, he really meant this. Follow me, and I'll make you like me. God just gave me that as I'm here. Follow me, and I'll make you 
like me. That's what I want. I know that's what you want. Bow your heads again. Father, for those who have never accepted you personally, I just pray this morning, they would realize there's no water name under Jesus to be saved. And I pray, as you're listening to me, that you realize you need a new start. You're ready. You've listened today. And you know that there's only one solution to your life for peace, forgiveness, promise of going to heaven, and that his name is Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and you will never get to heaven unless you go through Jesus Christ. And this is... By the way, the best model you'll, role model you'll ever have in your life is Jesus. There's nobody better. For those of you that have never done this, I know God's spoken to you, and I want you just to pray this prayer with me. If you need to make a recommitment, say the pray, same prayer right with me. There, there's hundreds of people praying for you right now to make that decision. So privately, wherever you're at, in the sanctuaries, on the line, wherever you just bow your head and pray this to Jesus, to God right now. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I know you died on the cross for me. I turn from my sins, and I choose to follow you as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for your gift of salvation. And I look forward to all the changes that are going to happen in my life. I'm excited. I'm filled with hope. And maybe for the first time in a long time, I now have a purpose to become like you. Thank you for changing my life. Amen. Amen. 